0: Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, August the 7th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the latest COVID-19 news. We're also going to talk about uh, a big surprise plea deal in the murder of Linda Collins. Uh, we'll then get into a few odds and ends, top golf. Uh, I don't know, maybe some other things. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley.
1: Good afternoon to all. I'm happy to say this week we've got a sponsor, Dr. Cedric Charles Rice. He's a faculty member at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff in biology, actually, but he's written a book that he's going to be releasing called Stepdad Showing Up and Showing Out. It's about uh, how to navigate blended families, and there are a lot of them these days. We'll have a little bit more on that later. All right.
0: Okay, well, let's let's talk, as we always do, about uh, what's going on with the coronavirus in Arkansas, and as in recent weeks, uh, all all talks this week really uh, revolved around the plan to reopen schools.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a ball of confusion is what I call it on my Facebook video. And, you know, every day there's a, a new problem that arises today, the news conference. I mean, I finally hammered it out with Johnny Key, but there's been this ongoing debate about whether schools can have alternate day schedules or not. And, they said they couldn't, and then Johnny Key said, "They oh, I never said that, although clearly they did say that. I found a written directive on it that said you had to have school five days a week. He said, well, now you can have alternate day schedules as long as children can go to school five days a week if they need to for certain services. So Fayetteville, for example, issued a new directive this afternoon that said they're going to go back to this alternative day schedule, and but that they will be open five days a week for anybody who wants to come. Well, I mean, this is kind of they want to keep open the babysitter option, basically, because Asa wants wants school to be all about people going back to work. I mean, I thought the, the lowest moment of his happy talk briefing today was when he read a purported and I say purported because it was an awfully literate letter. if It truly was from a third grader in Conway saying, please, oh, please, let's go back to school because my mom is a nurse and taking care of sick people all night. and My daddy works and I need to go to school. So, you know, it was, I don't know. And this, this was on a day where we had a thousand more cases. There's, there's no immediate indication we're on a downhill slope. The governor kind of continues to, I mean, he, he was pretty snippy about being called out by you on uh, his figures on what the CDC says is, a, is an acceptable uh, rate of uh, positive testing for COVID-19. And he also dismissed pretty curtly the uh, female school superintendent in Jonesboro who just gave a blistering speech to a local civic club this week about how the governor was ignoring education experts and was putting priority on the economy and football over the health of school children. And she said, in two years, we're going to look back at this and think we made a terrible mistake. So, I, I, you know, I mean, if this, if, to, a, to inject a small note of generosity, this is hard. It is better for kids to be in school. For the umpteenth time. Yeah. And it's hard, and it's hard to know what to do. And it's and it's hard to make it safe. And and so I mean, I I I don't ascribe ill motives to anybody about this, but but I do think the state has sent conflicting instructions. There was a complaint today that this supposed hotline to answer questions wasn't giving people answers. And the answer from Johnny Key to that is, well, we're trying. <laughs> oh well. You know, but that isn't an answer. You know, and I I thought KTV, I I mentioned it on the blog, just did a a really great interview with the fine arts director in the Little Rock School District about the new state health department guidelines for continuing to have band and choral music in schools. And and I credit the fine arts guy who's a saxophone player for being very diplomatic by kind of saying, this will be really a challenge. Yeah, yeah, to put it mildly. (laughs) I mean, to blow wind instruments through mass and, uh, you know, make the trombone players stand 12 feet away and the tuba players, I don't know how so much farther away, and say chorus has to only be held outside and to be 12 feet apart. I mean, let's get real. There's not going to be anything resembling band or chorus, and to suggest there will be, this is all about getting people fired up about going back to school. And if I were Brian Duffy, the superintendent of Jacksonville, North Pulaski, who got brought in there as a stage prop today to say how great everything was, I'd hang my head in shame. <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah. But in any event,
1: in two weeks, we're going back to school, and this governor insists that we're going to have football and contact practice starts next week, and what possibly could go wrong?
0: Well, I think what the his, his whole parsing of... What CDC director Robert Redfield said, what you could take away from that is we're, we're just going to toss the numbers out. You know, we're not focusing on that. I mean, he keeps talking about 10 percent, which is not clearly the CDC guidelines. You can't find that anywhere. Redfield doesn't.
1: He, he, he's just made it up from the start. He made that figure up.
0: I, but we're not at 10 percent. We have not been at 10 percent in a
1: month. We're so over it. Yeah, so, I mean, the seven-day rolling average, we're steadily over it. And today, he said, oh, looking pretty good. He said, oh, well, we only had 1,000 new ones a day because we did had a big test day of 6,000. Well, we also know that all your positives don't come in until several days later, first of all. But just on the raw numbers, 1,000 and 6,000 tests, that's a 16% positive rate. I mean, give me a break i mean we're and, and there are more than 20 uh, 14 counties had 20 more cases it's just every part of the state they're in the part of the state can sit back and say oh that's just those low lives in little rock it's everywhere
0: well yeah and, and describing as flat a week when we had you know sub <laughs> 800 cases huh? <laughs> i mean i'm not sure there's a way to spend that
1: uh, you know it's i mean it, i just had to say on twitter today, so you said oh that you know some Democrat Craig is or somebody said, oh, it's one 30 time for the governor's update. And I just said, get your shovel, you know, <laughs> I mean, really.
0: All right. Well, let's let's pause and hear from our sponsor this week.
1: Yeah, let's do. Well, our sponsor is Dr. Cedric Charles Rice. As I said, he's an assistant professor at UAPB, but he plans an August release. That's uh, this month. Of his next book, Stepdad Showing Up and Showing Out, Tips to Navigating the complex, complex World of Blended Families. He says it's a humorous view of his own growth, perspectives, and experiences as a stepfather or stepdad, and uh, his goal is to encourage and empower those men and the women who love and adore them, he says, to fully embrace the challenges, experiences, and blessings associated with being a stepfather. The ultimate challenge, he says, is to always show up and show out. God is watching. Uh, for details on this book, and, and, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people in this situation, as I say, you can contact Dr. Rice at Consulting at gmail.com. So check it out.
0: All right. Well, uh, sticking on the COVID beat, uh, the other big news item this week was uh, talk of fraud and the State's unemployment and pandemic unemployment assistance programs. Uh, the governor uh, had a good hook. He himself uh, was was victim uh, was a, a victim of a fraud attempt. Um, this is something uh, that we've been trying to dig into. I I, just, I really think there's a, a bigger story here, but um, yes, we we yeah. haven't
1: gotten it all. And I think the crack reporters have just been buying his bull on this from the start. Here's the first question. How is it that somebody with, a, with only a name and a social security number can file an application for unemployment assistance that's whipped through with, a, with an approval to the governor? I mean, is there no other checking process? I think that happens to be a, a byproduct of this crappy system that we discovered early on had an enormous security breach in it. I mean, I think this thing was flawed from the start. Well, in response to that security breach, they've, they've now put the hold on everybody, and there are tens of thousands of legitimate people who, can, who are desperate for their money, and they can't get it because of an incompetent workforce services agency. There are 25,000 people pending in pandemic unemployment assistance, 10,000 in regular unemployment assistance. This has gone on for three months now. It's a scandal. It ought to be a scandal. There ought to be a legislative audit of what's gone on here, but it had not happened yet. There needs to be. But but what we do know is that is that people are hurting and are not getting help, and they're trying to put it down to some big fraud program. We're not even – I mean, they're saying, well, all these names are being scooped up from some massive national data leak some time ago. That may be true and that may not be true, but, boy, there sure are an awful lot of state employees who are reporting getting these bogus notices that they've made claims for unemployment assistance while they're on the state payroll. I cannot shake the feeling that there's also been some state data breaches, as badly managed as this agency has been. But the, the real outrage this week was was the governor bringing in Mike Preston and say, oh, we're working on this. They previously had a grand total of six people working on 25,000 frozen applications for assistance. And they say, well, they're going to open some regional offices around the state so people can come in personally and work out their problems. What is it? Three months in, they're now getting around to doing this? It's just incompetence, pure and simple.
0: Yeah, I guess we don't know that it was that, that these holds are related to the supposed breach that we reported on. I mean, the state <laughs> stated that, that it's it's other fraud or has suggested that it's other fraud. They have not been forthcoming with details.
1: No, they haven't. But we do know this. The, the regular unemployment fraud claims is much lower. And, and that's and that's happening all over the country. And that's clearly a case where people get these names and numbers and run them through and say, who knows, maybe they'll credit, stick some money in my account. That system is an old, somewhat clunky, but perfected system. The pandemic unemployment assistance was a new system created by Arkansas, and it was a piece of shit, you know, and so there are twenty five thousand there. And what clearly happened was is they panicked after that security breach was discovered and they just put a wholesale hold on it. And it's just proved hard as hell for people to get out of it. To a certain degree, I don't think the state really cares. I mean, it's no it's no sweat off them if a bunch of poor people don't get any money. I mean, you know, it's not really their money. They don't get to keep it if it isn't spent. It's just no big deal. I, I just think the the cold the cold callousness and response. I've sent them names of any number of people who give phone numbers, names, addresses, jobs, social security numbers, specifics of their situation. And they're told, we're going to get back to you. We're going to get back to you. We're going to get back to you. And they never get back to you.
0: All right. Well, let's move on and talk about what in uh, normal times would have been uh, the big story of the week. And that's uh, Rebecca O'Donnell pleading guilty uh, to the murder of Linda Collins uh, this is a negotiated plea that kind of just popped up uh, unexpectedly this week.
1: Well, it was unexpected that it popped up this week because she'd been not showing any resistance to negotiate before. Uh, however, I mean, I think they had her. And it's possible that the new special prosecutor who came on and has been doing addition, additional subpoena work Finally found the pieces that put the guts. Robert Dietrich, who was a veteran prosecutor from Stuttgart, put the pieces together in which her attorneys finally said, hey, you need to cop a plea. I mean, she was facing capital punishment, which is either death or a life without parole sentence. She ended up with a sum total of 50 years and is parole eligible. I mean, in theory, oh, and I don't know, in 30 years, perhaps about when she's 80. Uh, I think, as a practical matter, given the nature of these crimes, her odds of parole are not good, but at least they exist and at least she won't be killed. Uh, and, you know, and if she lives to be 99, she'll get out. <laughs> but but he, here's the deal I mean, she got arrested in the first place, and, and we, the, the, there is going to be a release sometime next week uh, of the uh, a lot of the underlying evidence, the statements submitted to obtain search warrants and the return of the search warrants and what were found. It'll provide a little bit more about this crime, but what little has been released and what a little bit more I've been able to find out paints a pretty clear picture. Rebecca O'Donnell was a longtime friend and campaign worker, like a sister to Linda Collins, the Republican state Senator. Uh, She uh, O'Donnell and her fiance uh, had, become so close to Collins that the fiance had her power, financial power of attorney significant enough that he once tried to deposit a half-million-dollar check in her name. Uh, legally, by the way. I'm not saying that apparently he, she would, he was authorized to do that by Collins. So they had a close and intimate relationship that included financial relationship. And the Linda Collins' son said what had been suspected all along that Collins found out that O'Donnell was taking advantage of her in some thumb fashion, stealing from her, money, goods, I don't know what. And uh, and in fact, when she got charged with additional charges of soliciting murder when she was in the jail in Jackson County, she said, Listen, if you'll kill these people I want killed in this case, you can pay yourself out of some of the gold from Linda Collins's ex-husband after after they rubbed him out, I guess. Well, uh, but in any event, the arrest was originally made because uh, they found in the cloud some uh, video from Linda Collins' home security camera. And this, this is how that happened. Uh, Rebecca O'Donnell apparently tried to remove the camera. She put the camera in her purse, and unbeknownst to her, it was still recording. Uh-huh. So not only, not only did it catch a picture of her removing the camera, I'm told pretty reliably that that camera video also captured a picture of a bloody knife, which uh, most likely was used in the stabbing death of Linda Collins. So between that and, and the computer records, if they found evidence, for example, I don't know this, I'm speculating the things you could find. You could find, for example, in Linda Collins' email accounts and Google accounts and what have you that a week after her death, it was still being used by someone. If you could find evidence of money spent by o- O'Donnell in certain ways by, by, by her out of Linda Collins' account, that would add to the prosecutor's contention that the crime was committed for pecuniary reasons. And between, the video was always the thing. And she didn't have much, her problem was she didn't have much to argue. In the end, I think her attorneys got her a pretty good deal, all things considered. Both the Linda Collins' kids said, you know we would have liked a tougher sentence but this brings an end to it and it she'll be in jail for an awful long time and this kind of brings an end to it all and so you know i don't think they'd have done the deal without their approval and so that's where we are the the, the revelation of the evidence will be interesting the, the other interesting factor in this i almost hesitate to mention it because it's so crazy but throughout the collins uh, murder case. There's been this steady drumbeat of conspiracy theorism. Uh, it's been propagated by a local right-wing radio talk hosts, and also by Senator Alan Clark, who was a big friend of Lil- Linda Collins. And he's been saying all along, or suggesting all along, that Rebecca O'Donnell was being framed, that Linda Collins was murdered because of dangerous things she knew about child trafficking and abuse, and and there were dark animations that oh. Oh, some, you know, involving judicial misconduct and all manner of things. And unfortunately, even this right wing radio host on his show yesterday said, well, you know, I got to tell you, it looks like basically I was wrong about that framing job. If you got somebody who said they'd kill somebody, they probably did it. And several of his nutty callers called in to say, oh, no, I I think she's taking the fall for somebody else or she walked in (laughs) on the crime. And I mean, this won't go away. You can never satisfy conspiracy theorists, but it was kind of funny to listen to but even this guy said oh you know i don't know i just don't think i accept a 50-year jail sentence to protect somebody else you know which pretty blindingly clear logic for once out of doc washburn but but anyway so but i don't think we've heard the end of this uh alan clark is still convinced that the state police somehow improperly got got possession of linda collins's computer's and he claims that she once said, get my computers because that's where all the goods are if anything ever happens to me. And so even if he gets it all, I'm sure he won't be satisfied. So the, the notion that this puts an end to it all, of course, it, ne- it never does. But it'll it'll make a podcast for somebody someday.
0: All right. Well, just a few odds and ends uh, before we wrap up. Uh, convicted lobbyist Rusty Cranford uh, gets uh be in home confinement for the rest of his sentence because of the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, and that's quite a gift to him. I mean he was fifty nine, has a lot of health conditions and he's got he got four more years to run. However, he may still get a sentence reduction when and if they finish the prosecution of the 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 top dogs in this preferred family health care crisis. But he's gonna it's a lot better to be in his house in Douglasville, Texas than to be in a prison in Texas County even though he was in a minimum security the camp i also noticed that also getting home detention and probably because he only had about oh about a year left on his sentence and that's another guideline the feds are using to hurry people to home detention during the pandemic crisis was orrin paris the former president of the ecclesia college the the uh, misbegotten so-called christian school that got all this ill-gotten money and then kicked back some of it to, to uh legislators and others so uh, He's 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 getting cut a break too, but John Woods uh, so far is still uh, moldering in a prison in Texas.
0: Uh, and finally, he's, he's,
1: go ahead, go ahead. I, that's uh,
0: well, finally, uh, the the bids were due this week for uh, for a uh, entertainment golf entertainment golf.
1: Maybe. Yes, don't call it cop top golf. Charles Blake will. Uh, Curse you till till the end of time. If you say Topgolf had anything to do with his bid proposal, despite the fact that his boss, Mayor Frank Scott, has been talking about nothing but Frank Topgolf for the last year and a half. But
0: anyway, no, uh,
1: no bids were received.
0: Right. So does that mean that that it's a done deal?
1: Well, I I hope so. I mean, it it was so overwhelmingly rejected by the community at large that it's hard to think they'll come back with an idea to lease parkland to Topgolf. Now, might they propose some incentives of other sorts to Topgolf? Other cities have done that. The mayor may want to do that. There was a city that gave them a rebate on sales taxes. That's That's a different argument. Happy to hear that should it ever develop in Topgolf is apparently a popular thing now big chain operations sports bar and driving range and i got no no quarrel with topgolf but you know i i hope and frank scott hadn't really granted any interviews on this i think they're really sore about it i I think i mean charles blake clearly i think represents the thinking administration they just think it was unfair and the people trash topgolf and that and that it was just it was just an idea to talk about. And although the selection committee were all all Frank Scott's people, and I mean I, I have every indication that this was slated for a fast track, if only they could somehow persuade the city board. But I think that was going to be a hard a hard hill to climb. And and it's again it's sort of a, it's a commentary on political judgment here I, is that I don't think if you have an issue that by all intents and purposes, and there's some people argue that legally. This shouldn't have been put out for bids without pre-approval on use of parkland by the city board, but that aside, I think if you have an issue where you're expecting to need a city board vote, that you should have brought some of them into the fold on the front end, and that just didn't seem to have happened, and so, you know, they they can blame the media and unfair coverage and whatever all they want, but I, I think there are victims that are on handling the situation, but the mayor, as I was about to say, hadn't talked publicly about this, but he did put out some stuff on Twitter yesterday saying he's committed to the, the park study plan that had a lot of ideas about reuse of War Memorial and Hyman Park, had some ideas about raising money to do some things. And he's committed to doing that. And I think that's a better way to go. I mean, I suggested yesterday and, and that, yes, that there are a way to do public-private partnerships that aren't heavily weighted toward the private and get benefit to the public. We could get a sponsor for a soccer field in more Memorial Park. We could get the Walton family, which mostly likes to tear down Little Rock, to send some money down here to build a bike-type attraction in Hyman Park or War Memorial Park. I bet there might be a bank somewhere that'd like to underwrite an amphitheater, a small amphitheater for entertainment venue, open to the bandstand in more Memorial Park. I mean, I think, I think the problem always was that the mayor seemed to have picked this one single idea. An eighteen acre sports bar with acres of parking lot and and, and big fences and lights is the way to to monetize the parks. And I just think it's a bad I I mean, Charles Blake says I was biased. Well, I mean, I had an opinion. There's no doubt about that. And I made it clear from the start. And and, and I was not alone in thinking that parkland is precious and you don't monetize it. And you don't you don't sell it out to the highest bidder to make money for the other part of the park. I mean, it's it's you know it's like selling your car to fill a tank with gas. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. At least at least to me, I think they saw it differently, and that's we'll just have to do, agree to disagree on that point. But in any event, I think there was a good act. I think the simple thing that happened was is the atmosphere was so clearly a negative as the Top Golf. And the mayor agreed, or Top Golf singularly decided uh, it would not be, or 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 another company similar to Top Golf. Let me say, And in, in, in obedience to Charles Blake, uh, decided this was not a good time to go forward with this idea. All right,
0: well let's uh, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this?
1: Well, this is how bad it is. I'm now into escapism. I just finished watching a six part series from Masterpiece Theater on life in colonial India called Beecham's house. And it, it's just a pot boiler soap opera. But what, what it, what I loved about it is I've been to India and it was one of the transformative experiences of my life. And it, the, the settings, the buildings, the culture, the, the costumes, the beauty of the place. I mean, it, I just, I just bathed in the, in the Indian ambiance, which was wonderful. And, 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 and also, got nostalgic about all the traveling i've done which uh (laughs) i was remarking to my wife we had a lot of plans this year that went dead we did take one ill-fated cruise at the start of the year and uh we did drive to Salisaw, oklahoma to see my to pick up our bulldog and so in this went the end when 2020 ends it looks like the sum of my travel will be a trip where i wasn't allowed off the boat except in guam And a drive to Salisaw, Oklahoma, not exactly what I not exactly what I'd expected. So I welcome Beecham House as a welcome diversion.
0: All right. Uh, Well, uh, first, I want to make a plug for our new uh, cultural pass offering that the Arkansas Times has out there. If you have not already subscribed to our daily web coverage, anchored, of course, by Max. Uh, now is a great time to do so especially if you live outside of central arkansas you can subscribe for 110 a year uh, and get web access for a limited time you can also get a free print subscription to the arkansas times which is a 60 value uh plus two free tickets to the little rock Zoo, which by all accounts i've seen is is uh handling uh, COVID precautions uh, really well i think you set up appointments to go we have to wear masks so anyway that's this is a a, a great deal if you are a uh, reader of the times um and then for an endorsement i am loving uh patty smith's uh memoir that especially focuses on her time uh being grammatically involved with and living with uh, photographer robert maplethorpe it's uh she's a great writer and she her her life especially once she kind of gets into her 20s and starts mixing with art world, rock world people, I mean, she just interacts with every hipster, famous person in the 70s. and um, Yeah, it's, it's really cool, and, and her writing is great. It won the National Book Award, so uh, it's not like I'm, I'm giving a, uh, an out-there recommendation. I'm excited to read her follow-up memoir as well. Uh, so we'll leave it there, but want to thank our sponsor again.
1: Yeah, let's, let's thank uh, Dr. Cedric Rice and, and take a look uh, for his book, Step Showing Up and Showing Out. It's about his advice from his own experience on how to navigate the world of blended families. And he says it's a humorous look, too. And you can get more information from Dr. Rice at SS Publishing and Consulting at gmail.com. Give it a look.
0: All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe and healthy. We'll be back next week. We'll see you.